Okay, good morning everyone. Uh, this morning's daf is uh, daf Lamed Tess. We'll start from the uh, Mishnah at the end of Lamed Chesam Bey's second line from the bottom. Hamuda Hanam Mechavero, if someone uh, prohibits Hana from his friend, and we're going to see who prohibits what on whom, and then he comes to be Mavakar Chola to visit him when he's sick, Omeid Avalo Yoshev, he can stand there, but he can't, he can't sit when he goes to be Mavakar Chola. And we're going to see why and exactly what it means in the Gemara. And he can heal him with the Rafua of his soul. But not Rafua of money. And in Mirza Hashem on Shabbos, we will understand what that means. Okay, so that's the Mishnah. So the Mishnah said that when you go to visit their friend, if he was Mudar Hana, you can stand, but you cannot sit. So the Gemara says, What are we talking about here? If we're talking about, in other words, who's Asr on whom? If we're talking about a case where the one who is coming to visit uh, cannot benefit the one who is sick, uh, so the, the question would be as follows. Um, what's the concern? The concern is that when you come to visit him, uh, you're you're giving him you're giving him hana, and we're going to see on Ahmed Bayes we're going to see on Ahmed Bayes that there's various uh, benefits of visiting someone that someone gets from being visited. So the question is, so he gets hana when someone comes to visit him, and the question is that if if you're not allowed to give him hana, how can you go visit him? Because visiting him is giving a form of hana. Now, the Gemara is going to say so. So now the question is that if so. Then afilu yoshev nami. Then even sitting. So what's that talking about? Why should it be even sitting? It should be allowed because if he's allowed to go and stand there, what would be the reason that he's allowed to stand? The reason he'd be allowed to stand is because it's a mitzvah. And if he's going for his own mitzvah, and the person is really only getting ancillary benefit, meaning that the, meaning that really the person is going for himself to be able to do the mitzvah of bikur cholam, and the chola is getting indirect benefit from his mitzvah, then that's okay. But the question is that if the fact, the, the way the Ron understands it, if the fact that it's a mitzvah makes it okay to visit him because he's only getting ancillary benefit, then he should be able to sit too, because sitting is also a mitzvah. So, so that, that's the question. If the, if the problem is a benefit of visiting, then even sitting should be okay because it's all part of the same mitzvah, and just like standing is okay, sitting should also be okay. So that it, it, sh- it can't be talking about a case where the problem is the visitor benefiting the sick person. So we say, okay, it must be where the nether that made it Asr and Hana, so is the other way around. So maybe, it, maybe, the, maybe the issue is, is that the visitor is not allowed to benefit from the sick person. So what, what benefit would he be receiving when he comes to visit him? The benefit would be, the Ran says, Drisas Regal, that you go in his house, I mean, maybe it means that uh, because it's a quieter place, it's, he has good air conditioning, something like that. Whatever benefit you get from coming into a house, because there's a benefit from being in someone's house, so that's a benefit. So maybe the concern is that, that since the guy coming in uh, is going to have benefit from being in his house, it's Drisas Regal, uh, that, that you shouldn't, that he can't, he can't visit the guy. Uh, because he's getting that benefit of going to his house. So then the Gemara says, if so, afilu omid nami lo. 
But if that's the concern, if the concern is that he, you're going in and you're getting good air conditioning, so then you shouldn't be able to go and stand either. Why is it that only sitting is prohibited but standing is permitted? So we're having trouble understanding what's the case, uh, what's the case here. So Amr Shmuel, Shmuel says, we're talking about where the visitor, um, where, the, where the chola cannot benefit from the visitor's visit. So if you recall, the issue we had is if he, if he cannot benefit from the visitor's visit, and the concept would be that it's okay to stand because that's a mitzvah, and the Gemara said, well, if it's okay to stand because that's a mitzvah, and the chola is only getting ancillary benefit, then he should be able to sit also. So the Gemara says... So, so the Gemara is going to answer that. So why, why is sitting different than standing? Because Because we're talking about a place uh, that, that they would take payment if they sat with the cholo, if they sat with the cholo, the custom of that place is that they would actually pay him to sit. And in this case, the fellow was going to sit there and not get paid. So if he would take payment, then it's just the service he's providing. But the idea was, this is similar to what we learned about Medrash and Mikra. So the idea is that if normally you pay someone to sit with you, and this fellow is coming there and sitting there for free, so he's giving him Hana. So that's why there's a distinction between standing and sitting, because when you're standing, you're just doing the core mitzvah. You can't get paid for doing a mitzvah. So that's okay. But if you sit down in a locale where the custom is to pay for sitting, and in this case he's sitting with him and he's not charging him uh, for sitting with him, so he's giving him a, 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 a benefit. Uh, and so, uh, so that, that's, uh, that's the case that we're talking about, a case where the concern, was, the concern was the benefit of the visit, and the answer is it's okay to stand because that's a mitzvah and the benefit is ancillary, but if it's sitting... Uh, as long that then it is um, then if it's sitting then normally they get paid for that in this place and that's a problem. So now this again this gemara is going to be very similar in its structure to what we had with medrash and mikra. The gemara says my pasca. So what does that mean? Why did you choose? Why did you choose to say okay we're talking about a place where you pay for sitting and you don't pay for standing? Maybe what happens if you have a place that's the opposite where their custom is to pay for standing and not to pay for sitting and so then how is it that Mishnah states categorically that you are, it is mutter to stand and it's also to sit? So in other words, you're just, to, to just set up the case as it happens to be a place where this is the custom doesn't work very well with the Mishnah. So the Gemara says, you're right, here's how it works. Hakamash Malon, what is it telling us? The af b'makam the af I'm sorry, that even in a place where they have the custom to accept payment for sitting with a chola, ala yeshiva ba'ila mishkol, that for sitting you can pay, or you have to pay in that place, ala amida lo ba'ila mishkol, but for standing you cannot pay. So what he's saying is, what he's saying is, even in places where they have the custom to pay, no one would ever pay for standing. You can only pay, you can only pay for, uh, you can only pay for sitting. Why? Because what you cannot do um, because you cannot do, you cannot get paid for a mitzvah, right? So the idea is the following, that if you understand, if you understand sitting to be part of the mitzvah, and then you can't get paid for that, and if you can't get paid for it, so therefore in a place where, where they do not allow payment, in that case you would actually be able to sit with the fellow, you would both stand and sit, 
because since they don't allow payment because it's all part of one big mitzvah, uh, so therefore he's not giving him any hanah beyond the mitzvah, because as long as he's there for the mitzvah, it's only an ancillary benefit to the chola. And he can't get paid because in this place they have the custom not to pay. But what about in a place where they pay? In a place where they pay, they can only pay for the part that is not a mitzvah. They can't pay for the part that is a mitzvah. So since standing is the basic minimum requirement, so that's the minimum requirement would be, in order, in order to be mavakar chol, you have to actually go there. So you, well, we'll see that in a minute. But basically, you, 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 the way to do bikar chol is you go visit the guy. So when you walk in the door and you're still standing, you're now, at a minimum, that part is the mitzvah. So that you can't get paid for. But in a locale where they allow you to pay, um, sitting, you might be able to get paid for. And standing never gets paid. So that's the Gemara's answer. The Gemara's answer is, it's not random and it's saying it happened to be in this place, they don't charge for standing. It's saying, in no place do they charge for standing. In a place where, in, in a place where they allow charging, they don't allow you to charge for standing, but they allow you to charge for sitting. In a place where they don't allow charging, they don't allow you to charge at all, because they understand that it's all part of the mitzvah. And the Ran actually explains it similar to the way he explained Medrash and Mikra, that there's a gzeira, that people, that they were worried that if you pay for, just like they were worried if you pay for, uh, for, for um, Mikra, you might end up coming to pay for Medrash. Same thing here. If you allow paying for sitting, you might, allow, you might end up paying for standing. But at its core, everyone understands that at a minimum, the mitzvah is to... Uh, the mitzvah is to stand, because you have to walk in the door, so that you can never, ever charge for. And so that's the explanation for Shmuel, which is explaining that the reason there's a distinction between sitting and standing is because if it's a place where they allow payment, which can only happen for sitting, so then he can't go visit him and sit because he's now giving him the benefit of sitting with him for free, even though the custom there is to pay. So that's the first answer uh, that's the first answer, that's Shmuel's answer of how we understand what is this, what is our Mishnah talking about, who's Asar on who. So now we're going to say, next answer, I'm sorry, just find my place here. If you want, I'll give you a different answer as to, as to the question, and say, like the Halacha of Shimon ben Eliakim, which is something that we're going to encounter on Sunday, it says, we're worried that he's going to stand longer than is necessary. So in our case, just like in that case on, on Sunday, we're going to learn that the concern was he's going to stand too long. Here our concern is he's going to sit too long. What is this talking about? So again, the question we're asking ourselves is that if the problem is the benefit that the Cholo receives from being visited, so it's okay as long as it's a mitzvah, but if it's okay as long as it's a mitzvah, what's the difference between sitting and standing? He says, you're right. Really, there is no difference between sitting and standing, according to the Ibayasema. But the answer is that we're dealing with the Gzered Rabbanon. What was the Gzered Rabbanon? So let's first talk very briefly about what we'll learn on Sunday. What we'll learn on Sunday is a halacha that during, if you have someone who's not allowed to get hana from a fellow, and that fellow has a field with fruit on Shemitah, so the idea is, really, you can't go into his field and take anything. But in Shemitah, we know that the fruits are hefker. So the idea is that Chazal basically say that it doesn't make a difference if you're mudar mehana from the fellow. If it's Shemitah, you're allowed to go into his field and take his things, because that's the nature of Shemitah, that anyone can come and take it. But we learned there that the Chachamim were concerned, that, uh, that they were concerned. What was their concern? They were concerned that 
when is he allowed to go into the field and take it only as long as it's Shemitah. But if he's not allowed to be in his field otherwise, the concern is he's going to stay a little too long and he's going to cross over from the permit that the Rabbanon gave him to go into the field and he's going to end up being in the field even when it's without the permit of the Rabbanon. So it's a similar concern here. The idea is that there's some shear, there's some base amount to Biker Cholom, and if you stay too long, uh, then you've gone beyond doing the mitzvah of Biker Cholom, and now you're just sitting with him. And this would be true according to the Yisema, whether you pay or not. It's a simple gzera. The gzera is a concern that at some point you complete the mitzvah of Biker Cholom. At that point, if you're still sitting around there, then you're being nenahim by visiting with him and, and uh, you know, uh, shooting the breeze or whatever it is you're doing. And, and so at that point, the concern is that at now you're being over on the mudr mehana. So that, that, that's the concern. The entire thing is a gezerah. So why is it any different if you're standing, according to Yibayi So the idea is that if you come in and you're standing and you stay standing the whole time, you're realizing that, wait, I have to come here just to do bikar cholom. I can't go beyond bikar cholom. So that's the answer. Why aren't, why is there a distinction, if we're talking about mitzvah and you can't get paid for mitzvah, why is there a distinction between sitting and standing? Because the whole thing's a gzera. If you sit, you might come to sit there too long and go beyond the bounds of the mitzvah, at which point you'd be giving him anah without it being in the category of a mitzvah. Okay, um, so now, that's the Ibai Yisemah. Now we're going to have a third terrace. And again, what we were trying to figure out is if the problem is visiting then, and, and the reason it's mutter is because it's a mitzvah, so then what difference does it make standing or sitting? Um, you should be able to do the mitzvah either way. And conversely, if the problem is drisas regel, that the fact that you're in his house and getting good air conditioning, then you shouldn't be able to go in even standing. So, Ula, so the first two answers said, you're right, the problem really is the, giving the benefit of visiting him. Ula's going to say, no. Ula omar, la'olam avakir. What we're really dealing with in our Mishnah is a case where the visitor cannot benefit from being in the house of the Chola. So then the question we had was, if so, how can you even go and stand there? So the Gemara says, That he didn't, he didn't prohibit him from, uh, from, in other words, when he made a, when he, when he was Madir Mehana, and he said, you can't get Hana from me, he said, you can't get Hana from me. But wait, I have a little bit of exception. If you're going to be getting Hana from me for my benefit, so he's really nice, the guy. He says, not only can't you get Hana from me, but just in case you're going to get Hana that's to my benefit, then you can have Hana from me. So what's he saying? He's saying that, for example, he says, you can have no benefit from my possessions, and you can't, you can't come into my house with the air conditioning. But if the reason you're coming to my house for the good air conditioning is to visit me, because I'm a cholah, then you could benefit from me. So he's saying, at the time, and the Ran demonstrates that this must be talking about, where we're not saying he explicitly said this at the time he made the nether, it's talking about where implicit is that when he says, your mudr may anah from me, what he's saying is, your mudr may anah from me, except if I want you to have anah from me, which would be if you're being an enemy. By visiting, you can get my air conditioning as long as you're there to visit me. So the Gemara says in Ula, Ihachi, if so, that he accepted a benefit that was for himself. When he said, you're usher to benefit from me, he's like, except when I benefit from your benefiting from me, then I feel Yoshev Nami. Then let him sit also. So maybe when he made the, when he made the, when he made the, the nether, he was excluding not just, he was excluding any case where you're benefiting me, and therefore even come and sit. So what's the purpose for the distinction? So the Gemara says, Ha'efshar ba'amidah. 
he could, it, it's possible to do it with standing. So what does that mean? So it seems to be that, that when it's saying, when we assume an implicit exception to a nether, we're assuming an exception for the minimum amount. So since he wanted people to be mavakar chola, and we're going to see on Amabay's, for example, when someone comes to be mavakar chola, it takes away an element of the sickness. Um, so if, um, so, so in other words, what he's saying is, I want you to come and take away part of my sickness, but I'm only accepting the minimum amount. What's the minimum amount? Come in, you're still standing, you're mavakar chola, now get out of here because you can't be nana from me. So that's how we're understanding the implicit exception. Okay, so this is, we now have three answers to what we're talking about. We have Shmuel, who says that the problem, why there's a distinction between sitting and standing, is because we're talking about a place where they pay. Um, the Ibai Yisema says that really there, there shouldn't be a distinction, but we're concerned people might overstay the bounds of their mitzvah, and therefore it's a gzera. And we have Ula saying that the reason it's okay to have his, to be in his home and benefit from his home is because when he made the Tanai, there's an implicit exception for, uh, there's an implicit exception for where he benefits from your benefiting from him, meaning he benefits from your being in his good air conditioning because you're being mevakar cholim. Okay, so now the Gemara asks, Meisve, I'll ask you a question. Cholahu, the, the Brisa says, if he gets sick, nichnas levakro. If, if, if someone who is mudar mehana gets sick, um, then, then you can go and to visit him. Well, well, we'll see again who's who's Asra and who, but um, if the guy gets sick, you can go visit him. But if his son gets sick, then you have to ask about his welfare in the shuk. So it's basically saying, for if he gets sick, you can go. If his son gets sick, you can't go. Now, by the way, uh, there's a well-known tshuva from Moshe Feinstein, and Moshe says, the question was, can you be mevakar chola, someone over the telephone? So obviously, in the times of Gemara, they didn't have telephone, and the question is, is it that you walk in and visit him, or is it that you could maybe even, you could call on the telephone? And he paskins from this Gemara, he says that it says, you see that there's some point, and they could have just said, if it's him, you can go be mevakar chola. If it's his son, you can't. But it says, you should show Allah b'shuk, you ask about him in the shuk, um, is, so he said, you see from there that e- even though by inquiring after him or showing, dem- demonstrating caring, that that's sufficient. And therefore calling someone on the phone when they're sick is a form of bikr cholim. You also have this, uh, you have this question in there that they're, you know, the Mepharshim bring, that you can be yotze, the mitzvah of bikr cholim. Uh, let's say you go to a guy in the hospital and, and he's sleeping or he, they took him out for a procedure. Uh, you are yotze, the mitzvah of bikr cholim, even though you never saw him. Because when he gets, when he wakes up or he gets back from the procedure, they're going to say, so-and-so came to visit you, and uh, that will give him a, a form of, of relief and comfort, so therefore you can be Yotza the Mitzvah Bikr Cholom even outside of that. Texting. I'm sorry? Texting. Texting. Texting also. <laughs> all of them. All technology works. If you make the guy feel better, uh, you're Yotza the Mitzvah of Bikr Cholom. Um, okay, so in any event, so the kasha here is the following. So we see that if he is sick, if the man is sick, then you can go and visit him. If his son is sick, you have to only inquire after him in the marketplace. So now the Gemara says, Bishlamalu'ula, according to Ula, it makes sense. The Amar, because we'll say, We'll establish the case where the assets of the Chola are Asr on the Mavakar, and it's the air conditioning case. And you say, You could go into Loy Adrim and Chiyuse. 
and therefore he's going to explain that what's uh, what's the what's what's the reason you're allowed to visit him is because when he made the nether he had an implicit exception for where you're benefiting him. So then Shapir works out why, well why because maybe when he made the nether we assume we assume that he implicitly excluded benefit that he would get for himself. When you when your benefit benefits him he excluded that, but for benefiting his son maybe he didn't have that in mind. So now it makes sense why there's a distinction between father and son, because at the time you made the nether, you implicitly made an exception, but you made the exception for yourself. You didn't think about my son should be part of that exception, and so therefore we're concerned that when he made the nether, he didn't really accept his son, and that's why for his son you can't go visit the son, you only have to ask for him in the marketplace. But according to Shmuel, if we're talking about a case where the nechasim of the visitor are asr on the chola, and so visiting him is giving him benefit. What's the difference between him and his son? And the Ron explains, he's saying, first of all, the son, the son is not even in this nether. So I guess, you know, I, I, so at, at any level, why should the son not be permitted to visit him? And, and even if somehow the son is included in this nether, then why should the son and the father be any different? It's the same idea. If you're going in order to do a mitzvah, whichever way you understand, in other words, if you're going in order to do a mitzvah, you should be able to do it. So why should, in other words, whatever is permitted, if you're in a place where, where, where just standing is permitted, or you're a place where standing and sitting is permitted, but a mitzvah is a mitzvah. The reason you'd be able to do it is because a mitzvah and its ancillary benefits. So why should it be different? It's a mitzvah whether you visit him or you visit his son. So this, this b'risa seems to be a kasha on Shmuel uh, because... Because why should there be a, stink, a distinction between him and his son? So he says, um, He said to you, He says, You're right. He says, But here's the, here's the issue. The reason the halachas are different is because the cases are different. In the case... Uh, in the case of the mission, we already established it, which is where we were talking about a case where, where the chola could not benefit from the visit, and that's why that's why we said that the uh, that's why we said that case. Um, that's why we established it in that case. But But in the brisa, we're talking about where the nechasim uh, of the chola are also on the mavaker. So basically, what he's saying is Shmuel's answering him and saying him, really, I agree to your concept that there is implicit in the nether an exception for where you benefit me. So I have no problem with your definition of the brysa. Uh, so w- you can define the brysa where we're talking about, where w- w- you can define the brysa the way you did, um, which is where the nechsechol is asurin on the mavaker, um, and, and, and it's the air conditioning problem, but there's an exception. But the Mishnah, you can't establish that way because we're talking about a case the, the facts are different in terms of who was mother who. In the case in the Mishnah, we're talking about a case where the uh, problem is the benefit you give him by visiting him. So he, that, that's the answer he gives for this price. So the Gemara says, my Pascha. In other words, what's the reason? And so um, the, the Rishonim explained that the question is, in other words, really a Bryce and a Mishnah should be consonant with one another. They seem to be dealing with a similar case. So why are you establishing it where the facts are different in the Brisa versus the Mishnah? That in one case, the Isser is on the Chola to benefit, in the other case, the Isser is on the visitor to benefit. Why do you do that? Amarava, Rava says, Shmuel Masnisin Keshisa. 
Rabbi Shmuel had uh, had an issue. Um, had it had an issue with the Mishnah. My iri the Tani Omed Avolo Yoshev. He says, why why in the Mishnah would you say that he can visit as long as he's standing, but not as long as he's sitting? Shmamina, um, you see from this the Nichsem Evaker Asurin Alchola that you have to establish the Mishnah where the concern is that the uh, visitor is benefiting the sick person. So what's he saying? What, why, why, earners, why did he have to distinguish the Mishnah? He could accept Ula's understanding of the Brisa, but for the Mishnah, he was saying it has to be under, the case has to be understood differently. Why? Because, like I said, Shmuel really agrees with Ula's explanation about the implicit exception. Why did he not want to establish our Mishnah in that case? Because there's a core difference between Shmuel and Ula that they're arguing about. And the difference is whether sitting is part of the mitzvah or not. So the way Ula explained the Mishnah, what he said is that uh, we said you can't be nene except where there's implicit exceptions. So the Gemara asked, well, what about sitting also? Sitting under, So once there's an implicit exception, it's assumed that the implicit exception encompassed even sitting. So the Gemara said no, because we only assumed that the implicit exception excluded the minimum amount. So it excluded the minimum amount of standing. It didn't, it didn't exclude the case of sitting, right? So the issue here is that Shmuel disagrees with Ula on that point. He says sitting is part of the mitzvah, right? So if at the time I tell you that there's an exception, so for example, in the Brisa where it says you can visit him and not his son, there, even though Shmuel said, I agree to you, Ula, about the implicit exception, there would be a factual difference. According to Ula, you can only do the minimum, because we only accept the minimum. You can only stand. According to Shmuel, the way Shmuel understands the world, sitting is part of the mitzvah of Bikr Cholom. So therefore, if there's an implicit exception, the implicit exception included also sitting. So the Bryce is not a problem. Shmuel can say like Ula, because he says, when it says you can go visit the guy, it means you can go stand or sit. But when you try to be mukim the Mishnah that way, Shmuel doesn't want to do that because Shmuel said there should not be a distinction between sitting and standing. They're both part of the mitzvah. I don't buy this argument that you only accepted the minimum amount. So therefore, he could not explain the Mishnah like Ula. And so that's why Shmuel said, so therefore, the Mishnah, because it distinguishes between sitting and standing, and if you're dealing with the implicit exception, there's no reason for the distinction between sitting and standing, so you can't explain the Mishnah as talking about a case where we're worried that he's going to benefit from his air conditioning, so you must have some other explanation. The other explanation would be that really in the Mishnah it's a different factual circumstance, and we're not concerned that the visitor is benefiting from the house of the sick fellow, but rather we're concerned that the sick fellow is benefiting from the visit, from the, from, is benefiting from the visit of the person who came to see him. Um, so, so that is, so that is basically at its core the reason that Shmuel and Ula don't. Uh, the, the reason that Shmuel considers the Brisa and Mishnah to be dealing with different factual circumstances is because they disagree on this core point. And that core point again is if we say that there's an implicit exception, and therefore when you're benefiting him, you can visit. According to Shmuel, that would encompass both sitting and standing, and there's no rationale for distinguishing, and that is why the Mishnah would not be dealing with a case of the implicit exception. Okay? Isn't the reason why Shmuel holds that you can't sit because it is not a mitzvah? 
because they would take payment for it? Correct. In other words, but the question is, why is he establishing the factual, in other words, Shmuel, in order to answer the question from the, 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 the Bryce said there's a distinction between him and his son, right? So, uh, uh, Ula, so according to Ula, it worked well. According to Shmuel, it didn't work well, right? So Shmuel said, that's because you, Ula, are understanding in a case where we're concerned about the air conditioning. Really, we're concerned about the benefit of the visit. So the question was, why did Shmuel, why, so Shmuel therefore established, established the Mishnah in a different case than the Brisa. In other words, he established a factual case difference. So the question was, why did he distinguish? He distinguished because he, he didn't agree with Ula's explanation of the Mishnah. He agreed with Ula's explanation of the Brisa that there's an implicit exception. He disagreed with applying that to the Mishnah because he said, the Mishnah distinguishes between standing and sitting and there's no reason to distinguish. So therefore, he, he established the facts in the Mishnah, as a concern with benefiting the Chola by visiting him, once you were doing that, the reason for the distinction between sitting and standing in the Mishnah, when you established a case that way, the reason for the distinction is either according to Shmuel, because we're worried that it's in a place where they pay, or according to the Ibayasema, because there's, there's a Gezerah. So in other words, once you establish the facts different, then you, then you, then you can explain the Mishnah like Shmuel or the Ibayasema. But in other words, if, if you would, in other words, Ula is more consistent. He understands both the Brisa and the Mishnah to be dealing with a case where we're concerned about him benefiting from his home, from his air conditioning, whereas Shmuel, because he, because he differed with Ula on this point, whether the implicit exception includes also sitting, had to establish the Brisa as one factual circumstance and the Mishnah as a different one. Okay, so uh, with, that, uh, with that, we have finished um, this, this sugya, and now we're going to go on to some Agadita Gemara about about Biker Cholom. So, we are on the third line. Amar Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish says, Remez of Biker Cholom and Atari Minayim. Where do I have a Remez, a hint, or a, in, in, uh, you know, an indication that, that Biker Cholom is Minatara? Shinamar, because it says in the Pasuk, Im Kemos Kol Adam Yemusun Ela Ufkudas Kol Adam. Ufkudas Kol Adam Yipaket Aleim Lo Hashem Shlochani. I hope people know this, because this came from last week's Parsha. This was, this was the Parsha of Korach. So you had, um, so basically Moshe Rabbeinu said, we're going to do a test. If these people, Korach Ba'adaso, are going to die in the, in, the, in, in the manner of all men, and, then, and, and they're going to have an end visited upon them, like, like the, the way that is visited upon most men, then... Uh, that will prove that Hashem did not send me Moshe Rabbeinu. But if they don't die in the ordinary fashion, in the fashion of ordinary men, then it'll known. You'll be known that um, that uh, you'll be known that really I that Hashem did send me and Korach Vadasa were doing something wrong. So he says that is the source for Biker Cholam. So the Gemara says, "My Mashma, why why does that pasuk tell you anything about Biker Cholam?" So I'm a Rava. The way to darsh in the pasuk is as follows: Im kemos kol adam yemusun ele. If these people will die like any other person, how does a normal person die? Shehein cholin umutolim barisasan that they get sick and they're lying in bed, they're lying on their deathbed. Ubenei adam evakernosan, and and people come to visit them because that's the typical thing. Someone gets sick, they're lying in their deathbed, their family and people come to visit them. So if they die in that ordinary fashion, what will the people say? That Hashem didn't send, uh, didn't send Moshe Rabbeinu. So, so that's how Rav understands it. It was, it, was, uh, it was saying as follows. 
if they die a normal way where they get sick and people come visit them and then and then they and then they die, everyone will know that uh, Hashem didn't send me and that Korach was right. But if they die some spectacular death and they don't have time to be sick in their sick bed and people come visit them, then you'll know that Hashem sent me. So from you see from this, from the fact that it's saying the way it's understanding the Pasuk, if they're gonna die like Every other that they're going to get sick like every other person. And people are going to come visit them because that's what happens when people are sick. Then you'll know that Hashem didn't send me. So you see from this uh, thing that he says that that it must be that. And as he said, a normal way of people dying is they get sick and people visit them and then they die. So he says it, you see that people come to visit someone who's sick and dying. Um, so that is the source. So once we're saying that, uh, we're going to say. We're going to say uh, we're going to say another another drasha from Rava here, Darish Rava, and again from the case of Karach Vadaso, Im Bria Yivra Hashem. That it says it says by Karach Vadaso, so it says that Im Bria Yivra Hashem. The pasuk says Upatsasa Adamas Pio Vala Osam. That if 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 Hashem will create a creation. And the earth will open its mouth and swallow them, as Kol Asher Lehem, everything with them. Yardu Chaim Shaolo, they'll go alive into the grave. Yedatem Kinyatu Anashim Eila Es Hashem. So uh, basically, Moshe Rabbeinu said that if the Rebbeinu Shalom is going to create this new bria of the earth opening up and swallowing them, um, you'll know. So now the Gemara is bothered by this imbria. If there's a creation, implies that there exists a creation. Yivra Hashem that Hashem will create. So it switches tenses. So that's what was bothering Rava. So he says as follows, that what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, in Bria Gehenim, if there exists such a thing already created as Gehenim, Mutav, good, because that's where they'll go. Mutav uh, Tia will be good. In Lav, but if there doesn't exist Gehenim, then Yivra Hashem, then Hashem should create Gehenim now, so that Korach Vadasa will be able to go right into Gehenim. So the Gemara says, Aini, is that so? Is it possible that, that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, does, maybe Gehenim exists, maybe it doesn't? But Tanya, we learned in Abraisa, that there were seven things that were created before the world was ever created. Eluhain, these are them. Torah, Torah, Tshuva, the repentance, Ganeiden, Gehenim, Kisya Kavod, Ubeisa Migdosh, Ushmo Mashiach, or the name of Mashiach. The reason it says the name of Mashiach is because uh, obviously he didn't create whoever the person of Mashiach is wasn't created, but the Shemosh Mashiach, the capacity or the concept of a Mashiach, all seven of these things were, um, were, were created before the world was created. How do I know? Torah, I know Torah Dechsiv because it's written, Hashem Kanani Reishis Darko, uh, that this is a Pasuk in Mishle. Um, it says, Hashem Kanani Reishis Darko Kedem Mifal of Me'oz. So it says, it's the Torah speaking, it says, Hashem created me at the beginning of his way, Kadam Mephala, before his, his deeds, Mayaz from then. So it's all a language of before creation. Tshuva, how do I know that Tshuva was uh, before creation? The Chsev, it says, Beterim Harim Yuladu, before the mountains were born, Tcholol Eretz, and it continues, Tashav Enesh Adaka, that he... Uh, he beats down the, the, the man until its core, or source, or, or a pulp, or something like that. But Tomer, and the Pasuk continues, Vatomer Shuvu B'nei Adam. And it says that Shuvu uh, B'nei Adam. So you see, Betarim Harim Yuladu, before the mountains were born, which means before Kriya, uh, before Bria, we have Vatomer Shuvu B'nei Adam. You see, Shuvu B'nei Adam, that there was a concept of Shuvah, so it existed before 
creation. Gan Eden, how do I know that Gan Eden existed? Dechsev, Vayita Hashem Elokim Gan Be'eden, that Hashem created Gan Be'eden, Mikedem, it's sometimes understood from the east, but in this language it's saying Mikedem from before, meaning that Gan Eden was created uh, before the creation of the world. Gehenim, how do I know Gehenim? Dechsev, Ki Aruch Me'esmol Tifta. Uh, I'm sorry, Tafta. Uh, that uh, that 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 it was arranged from yesterday. Tafta. What's Tafta? Um, is talking about is one of the names. I think the Gemara in Erevin uh, tells us that 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 it was arranged from yesterday. Tafta. How do you know Tafta? Because this is a pasuk in Yeshayahu. Says Ki Aruch Me'asmol Tafta. Gam Hila Melech Huchan is prepared. Hemek Hirchiv. The, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Lamelachuchan is prepared for the Melech. It's been expanded and deepened. Medurasa Esh Ve'etzim Harbe, that uh, it has lots of wood and, and, and fire. Nishma Hashem Kinacha Gafris Bar that the spirit of Hashem is like a, a river of sulfur burning in it. So you see, it's talking about. It's talking about Gehenim, and it says Ki Aruch Me'asmol. It was prepared or arranged from yesterday. Uh, the idea is from before the Bria. Kisei HaKavad, how do I know that the Kisei HaKavad, that Hashem's throne, was created before uh, Bria? Dechsev, Nachon Kisecha Me'oz, that uh, your seat was established or correct from before. Uh, so you see it was before Bria. Beis HaMikdash, how do I know the Beis HaMikdash? Dechsev, because it's written, Kisei Kavod Marum Me'rishon, that the Kisei Kavod was uh, exalted Me'rishon from, from, the, from the first, from the beginning. Um, so what does that tell us? The reason that tells us is because the Pasuk continues, Kisei Kavod Marum Meirishon, that the Kisei Kavod was exalted from the beginning, Mekom Mikdashenu, the place of our Mikdash, is a Pasuk in Yermiyahu. So you see that it references, at the same time it references Kisei Kavod Meirishon, it says Mekom Mikdashenu, so you see that the Beis HaMikdash was from then also. Shmosha Mashiach, how do I know that the Shmosha Mashiach was from before Bria? Dechsev, it's written, Yehi Shmo Olam. uh, uh, and the next words in those pasuk in Kohelis is Yehi Shmoliolam Lufnei Shemesh, that his name should be forever Lufnei Shemesh before the sun. So the idea is that it was that that Shmosh Mashiach was created before the sun was created, so it was before the Bria. So fine. So uh, all that was to ask a question, which is how could you say that when it says in Bria Yivra Hashem that Moshe Rabbeinu was saying if Gehenim was already created, fine, and if not, Akash Baruch should create it. You see that Gehenim was created before the Bria. So how could that be what Moshe Rabbeinu said? So the Gemara answers, this is what he's saying. Puma, if the opening to Gehenim was already created, Mutav great, Lav, and if not, Yivra Hashem, that Hashem should create the uh, should create a new opening uh, for Gehenim right here in the middle of the midbar where we're fighting with Korach Vadaso. So the Gemara doesn't like that either. The Gemara says, Vahaksiv, it's written in Kochadish Tachas Hashemesh that there's nothing new. Under the sun, in other words, that anything that was created was created during the during the Sheshesimei Hamasa. So, so uh, how could he create a new opening to Gehenim? So the Gemara says, Hachikamer. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. Ihacha, uh, I'm sorry. That if the opening to Gehenim is not near here, lahachali karev, that the Rebbeinu Shalom should bring the opening to Gehenim here. To the midbar, that way, when the ground will open up and swallow Karach Vadaso, they'll go straight to Gehenim. So uh, uh, he wasn't talking about creating something new, a new opening to Gehenim. He was saying, move the opening of Gehenim to here. Okay, another Darish Rava that deals with, uh, with, with, uh, with Bilam, uh, I'm sorry, with, uh, with Karach, with Karach Vadaso. Darish Rava, 
What's that's written? This is a pasuk in Chabakuk. Shemesh Yereach Omar Zvulo. That says the 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 sun and the moon uh, uh, stand in in their place. Um, that they go uh, uh, according to the light of your arrows. To the to the shine of the uh, spear of your spear. That's what the pasuk in Chabakuk says. So the Gemara says, what does that mean? They darshan in homiletically. Shemesh v'yareach v'zvul my boyin. So he's saying as follows. So then when it says that the Shemesh V'yareach Ahmad Zvula were standing in the Zvul, what's the Zvul? The Zvul is the fourth level of Shemayim. We have seven levels of Shemayim, and the Zvul is the fourth. So this, the question was, the Gemara says, why were the Shemesh V'yareach in the Zvul? Um, they, they belong in the Rekia. Rekia is the second level of Shemayim. Why? Because we see in the Pesach, it says that uh, that uh, Kosh Baruch Hu put the Shemesh V'yareach uh, and the Rakia Shemayim. So you see, they belong in Rakia. So why did they go from the second level to the fourth level? So the Gemara says, that the Shemesh Yerech left the Rakia and went to the Zvul. And they went in front of the Rabban Shalom and said, That if you do what, what Moshe, Ben Amram was the son of Amram, was Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, If you do what Moshe Rabbeinu wants and you open up the ground and swallow Korach, we're going to shine. Uh, we're going to continue to function, the sun and the moon. But if you're not going to listen to Moshe Rabbeinu, we're not shining. So it says, At that point, the Rabbani Shalom threw at them arrows and spears, which were referenced in the Pasuk. The Rabbani Shalom had an answer to them. He, was, he had a taina on the sun and the moon. He says, He says, Every day there are people who bow down to you, the sun and the moon, you know, idol worshippers, and you don't protest that for my covet, for the Rabbani Shalom's covet, you don't say we're going to stop shining. He says, uh, For my covet, you don't object, but for Moshe Rabbeinu Mechisem, that you object and say you're not going to shine. Um, so it says, so, so the, the idea then is that the sun and the moon were rebuked, and they're like, you're right, we weren't acting for the covet of the Rabboni Shalom. So then the sun and the moon didn't want to come out anymore at all, because they say, oh, people, people bow down to us, and that's not good for the covet of the Rabboni Shalom. So it says, so therefore, So therefore, every single day, nowadays, the Rabboni Shalom has to throw arrows and spears at the sun and the moon to make them come out and shine, because they now want to be mocha on the covet of the Rabboni Shalom, and so the Rabbanu has to force them to come out every day, and that's how they understand the pasuk in Chabakuk. Shenemar, as it says, that by the light of your arrows they go. Okay, so that that is a, a drasha. Tanya, we learned in a brisa. Biker cholam ain la shir. We say this every day before Berachas Torah that biker cholam has no shir. My ain la shir. What does it mean? Has no shir. Sever of Yosef lemeimer. Uh, Rav Yosef thought to say ain't shir lematan schara that there's no limit to how much schara you can get for it. Amalei Abaya. So Baya said, "V'chol mitzvahs mi yesh shir lematan schara." Do we know the matan schar of any mitzvah? V'hatnam we learned in the Mishnah, "Hevi zayi in Pirkei Avos, hevi zayi b'mitzvah kal kivachamura sheinati yadei matan schar shal mitzvah." That you should be careful in every mitzvah, whether you think it's a light mitzvah or a heavy mitzvah, because you don't know the matan schar shal mitzvah. So how can you say this mitzvah ain't lo shir? But you don't know the shir of any mitzvah. Elam Rabaya. So what does it mean when it says ain't lo shir? A few gadol eitzel katan. 
that even a, uh, a, a great and important person has to go visit a katan. There's no shear. Uh, we have this, like, for example, in Bab Matziah, the Gemara says that, that if you have a, that if, if, if a tzaddik, if a tamachacham finds something, he doesn't necessarily have to go seek out the owner because it's beneath his dignity. But here, by Bikr Cholom, there's no concept of dignity. Uh, you have to go, no matter who it is, you have to be in Bikr Cholom. That's one answer. Rav Omer, Rav, Rav says, Afilu bayom. Even if you go a hundred times in a day, you didn't finish the mitzvah Bikr Cholom. Bikr Cholom is to go as many times as you uh, need or can. Omer Rav Acher Bar Chanina, Rav Acher Whoever visits a chola takes one-sixtieth of his tsar. This, by the way, is the, how Muslim Mepharshim understand what was the hana on Omid Aleph when you go visit the guy. What's the hana when you visit him? What hana does he get? The hana he gets is that you take away a sixtieth of his tsar. Amri Lay, they said to him, Im Cain, if that's true, that every time someone comes to see him, that someone gets better, I have a great idea. Li'alun shitin, um, look, look, me. So then just every time someone gets sick, you bring 60 people, they take away his chola, and he get up. So Amri Lay, that it's like the Easter, it's like the, the tenth of the Beirav. We learned this. Uh Ben Giloy and with someone uh with someone who is who is uh, uh, of a kindred spirit. Uh the Mafarish says he's a Bachar, he's a Bachar, he's a Zakim, he's a Zakim, but it's someone who who really is like him and therefore makes him feel better. So A it's not so simple just to bring 60 random people. It has to be 60 people like him. But more importantly, it's like the Isuraisa the Beirav, which we learned in, in Ksubis, the Sanya, because we learned in the Brisa, Rabbi Yomar, Bas Hanizonis Munichse Achen, Notelis Isher Nechasim. That this was talking about, that if it went, it, it's built into the Ksuba, that when someone dies, that uh, out of his Nechasim, even though his sons Yorish him and not his daughters, out of his Nechasim, uh, you support the daughters when they're Katanas. And if they get married at that point, their dowry is 10%. So the question was, He's saying, but if the guy has 10 daughters who are Kitanim, they're each going to get married, and you're gonna, they're each going to take 10% of the estate, and the sons aren't going to be Irish anything. He said to them, uh, that what does it mean? That the first, if he has $100, the first daughter takes $10. The next, now there's $90 left, the next daughter gets married, takes $9, because 10%. The next one takes $8.10, etc., etc. So you go down, and then if they all get married at the same time, that's what it means, you add it all together and divide it. If they get married sequentially, they each take 10%, but they take 10% of what remains. So it would take a lot of daughters, more than he could presumably have, uh, to fully deplete his assets through this, through this method. Okay, tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning uh, the daf is at 8 o'clock.